This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host. Delighted, as always, to be with you here today. Coming up later on in this episode, I will be answering a reader question. But first, and before I get into all of that, I will be telling a story and offering some controversial opinions and waiting to see what all of you think about that. Not that I'm trying to treat this podcast as a, a I don't know, some mechanism for adjudicating all the conflicts that I have in life or is some sort of, you know, ad hoc amateur therapy session or anything like that. Although I do want to thank everybody who wrote to me or commented last week, and I'm sorry that I have not gotten a chance to respond to you directly, which is very, very bad of me. But thank you so much for, especially to Allison Amsterdam. I do want to make a call out to Allison Amsterdam, who comments or responds to just about every podcast I have. Allison is one of maybe a dozen, <laughs> a dozen listeners and readers who really make me feel like I am not just howling into the void. I, you know, I see the numbers of downloads. I know people are listening. And I don't know if it's the people are shy or maybe everybody's not, you know, just not as as pushy or opinionated as I tend to be, because clearly I'm a person who offers her opinions with, with very little provocation and frequently when no one has even asked for the opinion. Uh, but there are certain listeners, and Alison Amsterdam is definitely one of them, who, in addition to being an amazing supporter on Patreon, is also a great reader and a great listener. And it's you know, so, and I always say this, right? So much of being a, a writer and also of being a podcaster, especially the way that I podcast, it's it's not like a, a huge production. I don't have a whole staff of people putting this together. Frequently, I don't even do interviews. And so these are really solitary occupations and you are doing, the, you, you write a book for other people to read it. And it is a conversation that you are having with your readers uh, but then there are those readers who make you feel like it is an actual conversation. And so thank you to those of you who comment or offer your opinion or who send me emails. I really do appreciate it. And thank you to those of you who listened to my ranting last week about the somewhat incompetent um, design layout guy who I had hired to do the layout for the ebook, my free ebook that I'm doing as a giveaway online. Uh, I appreciate the moral support. And yeah, so so now th- this is actually what I wanted to talk about today is completely cat centric. And it, this is both, I, I guess, my form for expressing my opinion, but also seeing what other people think, especially again, because so many of you work in rescue. And so much of the my opinions on things when it comes to cats, animal welfare, etc., is informed by the fact that I know so many people, that I have so many contacts who work in rescue. I, I, I feel that I am really one way or another dialoguing all day with people who work in rescue. 
And yet I myself cannot really say that I am a person who works in rescue. I am a booster. I am a supporter. I am a cheerleader and sometimes fundraiser. And I like to think that I I help raise money and that I help spread awareness. But I am not the person ultimately on the front lines. And I am always very, very aware of this fact. But I also I will say that my opinions on certain things have evolved over the years after so much time spent with the people who are on the front lines. This is all a very big way of leading into a not terribly, um, what's the word I'm looking for, confrontational story, I guess, but, but a difference of opinion among friends. And so I will lay this out for all of you, and you can let me know what you think. So my husband and I were recently having lunch with a very dear friend of mine, and and she is a dear friend. She is a retired journalist, and she and I actually met because she was a journalist who was covering Homer's Odyssey for a big name publication, uh, somebody who it w- is, was and remains very, very fond of cats herself, and she and I became friends. Uh, she is... I would say she's a little bit older than I am. I would say she's in her mid to late 60s. Um, She does have some health issues and also some mobility issues. She has multiple sclerosis um, in addition to some other health concerns and which, you know, this does become relevant to the story. Um, And again, she is a cat lover. She lives in a New York apartment with two cats who she adores. And I should start this out by saying that the cats, in my opinion, are not very old. The cats are 11 years old. Clayton and Fanny are 11 years old. And maybe I'm in denial. I understand that 11 years old firmly qualifies them as senior cats. But I do not anticipate losing them anytime soon. My friend, one of her two cats was recently diagnosed with thyroid problems. And she has been several times as all lifelong cat guardians have, right? She has certainly been down the road numerous times of of elder care and eventually having to put a cat to sleep, Um, which may be why she is thinking about these things, even though her cats are only 11 years old. And so I don't know that thinking about what she's going to do after these cats really needs to be a top of mind concern. But when we were having lunch the other day, and, and she, by the way, considers me to be her cat Guru, she she places inordinate stock in my opinion, my one hundred percent non expert opinion on things. I should say, I am not a cat. I am not an expert on any cats except my own cats. I deal with a lot of experts. I I have spoken with and and interviewed and been interviewed by a lot of experts, but I am not an expert myself, which is something that I am always at pains to tell her. Or to remind her of, I should say. But she was talking about what she, her plan for when these two cats go and what she wants to do next. Um, She wanted to get my opinion. This wasn't idle talk. She wanted my opinion. Again, I'm not sure why this has become such a hot topic in her mind, considering that her cats are only 11 and a thyroid problem. I mean, I had friends in college who were taking pills for their thyroid. So it's not like first a thyroid and then death. Very much not the case. But she wanted to know my opinion. So she was dead set on on adopting. She is or she is dead set on adopting two kittens when these cats go. Um, She has always adopted. She's always adopted rescue cats from shelters. And she's always taken cats or kittens who are declawed. Uh, That is obviously becoming a rarer 
occurrence, especially now that declawing of cats is, I, I'm pretty sure it is now illegal in the state of New York. So I don't know if one could even find a veterinarian who'd be willing to perform the procedure. But so she wanted my, but she wants declawed cats because she spent a lot of money on her furniture. And she wanted my, uh, she wanted my opinion on this, basically. And I'm not even sure why she she asked my opinion, because surely she knows what my opinion on, on the question of declawing cats is. Um, and my, and I am firmly and staunchly anti-declawing, as I let her know I didn't shout at her or, or say terrible things or tell her she was a terrible person. Uh, you know, she she did try the argument with me, look, I'm going to adopt these two cats who are in a shelter, who are facing death, and I'm going to give them a wonderful life. And the only thing that I am asking or that I'm going to, you know, that I'm asking in return is to declaw them. And my response to that was, yes, you are going to rescue these two cats from possible death and and take them out of a shelter and give them a wonderful life. Or I'm, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I, I believe what I said was actually, yes, you're, you're going to take in two children and foster them and adopt them and and give them a wonderful life and save them from the the foster care system and the only thing that you are asking is that they amputate the tops of all of their fingers that's all they have to do in exchange for living in your home and i said look i i i understand where you're coming from and i've known people who've declawed cats and i don't say you know i if they ask my opinion i give it if they don't ask my opinion i don't some of you listening now may disapprove of that but you're asking my opinion. This is my opinion. I think it's wrong to declaw cats. I think if you are that concerned about furniture and if you try things with scratching posts, et cetera, and it doesn't work, it just it's New York, man. Like you can find veterinarians who will cut. You can find someone who will come to your apartment once a month and clip your cat's claws or once every two weeks if, if that's how often it needs to be done. And if the claws are clipped, you're, you're not really going to see damage to furniture. And honestly, the only reason I don't clip my own cats or have them clipped more frequently is because Clayton uses his claws to pull himself up onto things. When we trim his claws, it's very sad to see how unable to to climb onto the couch or onto the bed or do any of the things he normally does he is. And this, of course, is because he is missing one of his hind legs. Um, so it's hard for him to to jump, basically. It's it's very difficult for him to jump. He he does not jump. Anyway. But this is not even really was not even really the source of contention. The source of contention is when I said to her, and again, keeping in mind that she's a woman who's already in her late 60s, her cats, her current cats are 11 years old. Let's say for the hypothetical you know, sake of argument that they go somewhat on the young side as, as Vashti did. Vashti was only, she was barely 14 years old when we lost her. So let's say within the next two to three years, she does lose both of these cats. Uh what I said to her is that I don't think that you should adopt kittens. I think you should adopt, consider adopting older cats. And she immediately reacted very strongly against this idea uh, because she's been down the road with older cats, with all of the health problems, all of the money that it costs, all of the heartbreak that is involved. And this is why she's adamant that she wants kittens. And I, I said to her, and I will certainly... Uh, I think most of you listening realize this, you know, there, there's not a kitten and then there's 14 years old and somewhere in the middle is probably a happy medium of a five, six, seven, eight year old cat 
who is probably not going to die of a health-related condition or run you into thousands of dollars in medical bills anytime soon. And I would also add that, you know, and again, and this is something that I've talked about a lot and that I talk about in the sequel to Homer's Odyssey. And so this is something that I've been talking about for a long time. I do not think you should start out on the assumption that you are in some way obligated to spend thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on end-of-life care for your cat. Not everybody can afford to do that. I don't want to get too far down this road, although this is something I talked to her about and I said, you know, I said it about as well as I'm ever going to say it in the foreword to the sequel to Homer's Odyssey, and I would encourage you to read it. Um, but when you adopt a cat, you you make a commitment, a, a moral commitment to love and protect this cat and to make sure that your cat always feels safe and comfortable and loved. And that is it. That is the extent of your obligation. Now, that encompasses a lot of things. Um, you know, I and, and I'll close this off right now by saying that when my cat Vashti, my first, she was the first cat who we lost, we ended up spending upwards of $10,000 to keep her alive for an additional nine months after she was diagnosed with chronic renal failure. She was the first of my cats to, to develop age-related health issues. She was the first of my cats to go. And at the time that she was diagnosed and I was given to understand what a big financial commitment I was about to enter into if I was going to keep her alive, I would have felt like a failure if I had not been able to come up with that kind of money. And I was very, very lucky that when Vashti fell ill, it was right as I was getting my first royalty checks for Homer's Odyssey. Um, <laughs> those checks have significantly dwindled over the years, but at the time they were they were nice checks. Uh, because honestly, a couple of years earlier, and there would have been it just would not have been financially feasible for me to to find ten thousand dollars to to spend on my cat. And like I said, I think at the time I would have felt like a failure if that if I had not been able to come up with that money. But after it was all over, and certainly, and after I lost my my next two cats, and looking, you know, now that I've been through it more. And have had cats, you know, again, Vashti, we did everything for. Homer, we did nothing for because Homer firmly rejected medical treatment. Scarlet, we we charted a middle course. We did some things that were possible for her and not others. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I, I want to find the right way to say this. I am... It was, I am happy that I spent the money on Vashti. And every additional day that we had with her was a blessing. And I mean that sincerely. Those last nine months that we had with her, I would not trade them for anything, anything in the world, even given how much work it involved in Lawrence. The th- I mean, Lawrence and Vashti and I became so extraordinarily close in, in incredible ways that I would never, even after having lived with cats at that point for 15 years, I still would not have imagined. Um, and so I do cherish the memories of that time. But by the same token, I also understand that if I had not had the money and if I had not been able to afford to keep her alive for another nine months, it would not have been a tragedy. I would not have it would not be like I should never have adopted her. She would have been better off with somebody else. And granted, this is a lesson that I really learned from Homer. Um, who did not let us do anything for him. And so I had no medical bills. I had a, I paid $250 for the blood test, which was the last medical treatment he ever received. And, and that was it as far as expenses for his elder care. Um, and so, 
what I really learned from Homer is that it's not about trying to guarantee your cat a certain span of time so much as trying to make what time you have as as happy for yourself and your cat as possible. And the day will come when you cannot do that. And it may be at the point at which you have spent thousands of dollars, or it may be at the point where you realize you don't have thousands of dollars to spend. But what counts is the whole life that went up to that and not the decision that you end up having to make at the end when it comes to how much you are able or willing to spend, how much it is feasible for you to spend. And I'm sorry, because I realize I, I do talk about this a lot, only because it is one of the two most frequent emails that I get from readers who are trying desperately to figure out a way that they can come up with the th- many thousands of dollars that they would need for heroic end-of-life care for a beloved cat. And it really is, you know, my feeling is that if you don't have that money, it's okay. If if, if you have $10,000 to spend and you want to spend it on your cat and your cat will tolerate the treatment, I have nothing to say against it. I also have nothing to say against the person who comes to that point and does not have $10,000 or $5,000 or $3,000, and so makes their cat feel as comfortable and loved and safe as they can for as long as they can, and then has to let the cat go. But my main concern in speaking with someone who's in her late 60s and who does have numerous health and mobility issues in the context of adopting kittens, um, and, and this was the main reason why I was encouraging her to adopt senior or not senior cats, but older cats, cats who are not kittens. And there's really no great way, I guess, of having this conversation with somebody, but I did feel that it was worth saying. And so I said to her, if you are going to adopt kittens, um, you should consider the possibility, if not probability, that they will outlive either you or your ability to care for them. If you have someone who you know to a 100% certainty will take those cats for you in that event, then that is one thing. But if, if you are not sure, I would encourage you, again, to consider the possibility of an older cat because the other, you know, if, if, if one of the two letters I most frequently get is some version of, I have a cat who needs thousands of dollars of medical care and I don't have thousands of dollars, the other email that I get all the time is some version of my friend, mother, sister, et cetera, et cetera, has passed away, has moved into a nursing home, has had a stroke or an accident, et cetera, et cetera, and cannot care for her cats or there, there's no place for these cats to go. I have no place for my mother's cats to go. I can't take them home with me because, you know, insert the reason And can you please help me find something to do or somebody to take these cats? And it is a more difficult proposition than it might at first appear, because generally what you're talking about is one or more cats, let's say, who are used to either living alone or they live with one other cat. And so it's not impossible to integrate them into somebody else's household but it is it can be a very rocky adjustment. But the flip side is to find somebody who loves cats and who will take somebody else's cat but who has no cats themselves, especially in the context of older cats. When you're talking about older cats, that can be a very dicey proposition too because everybody wants kittens. And as everybody who works in rescue know, it is very difficult to find homes 
for older cats. Um, and I would not tell somebody you are obligated to get older cats because it's ha- it's harder for older cats to find homes. You are not. One thing that I always say to this particular friend, and she considers it to be a profound piece of wisdom, and I'm laughing because I can assure you it's not, but there is no such thing as a bad rescue when all is said and done. It is wonderful if you are the kind of person who is willing to adopt a 14-year-old cat with bladder control issues who has to wear a diaper and have her anal glands expressed and blah, 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 blah. Um, But that does not make you a bad or morally inferior person if you adopt a perfectly healthy kitten from a shelter. There is no such thing as a bad rescue. By the same token, it is much more difficult for senior cats to to find, or even older cats, cats who are not kittens, to find homes. And anything could happen to anyone. I, Lawrence and I are going away next month. And as always, before I'm planning a big trip, I torture myself with thoughts of what is going to become of my cats if anything happens to Lawrence and me while we're traveling, if a plane crashes, if we are killed in a terrorist attack, I, I know. What, what can I tell you? I come from a long line of neurotic Jewish warriors, and, and these are things that I think about. And anything could happen. People dropped out of heart attacks in their 30s and 40s, so there are no guarantees in life. But at a certain point, you can look at the actuarial table and foresee not just a possibility, but a probability of something occurring. And the letters and, and emails that I get or, or through the social media posts that I get are heartbreaking on this particular issue. And and there was one that I got a, a few months ago, and I, I know I'm not going to forget it. I, I, I try very hard when I respond to reader emails, no matter what my feelings are, to always respond with a, a level of cordial politeness, if if nothing else, and and not to get emotional, and certainly not to allow negative emotions to to dictate the response that I send to somebody who is emailing me. Um, but there was one situation where a, a reader, somebody who I had corresponded with sooner, and her mother died out in a different state, and she could not find anyone to take her mother's cats, and they were getting rid of the house, and she couldn't find anyone to take the mother's cats. And her husband would not allow her to bring the cats home while she continued to try to find a home for them. And she ultimately had she she went to various shelters and no kill shelters everywhere within the the, the neighborhood of of both you know her neighbor her area and her mother's area could not find any no kill shelters who would take the cats. And so finally she put them outside with a shelter and got a neighbor to say that he would get, you know, put food out for them. And that is the the best that she was able to do. And she was writing to me to ask for my help. And I remember getting angry about it. There there were things about that, and, and, and I'm not disclosing everything, but there were things about the situation that angered me, particularly the husband's refusal, just refusal to take her dead mother's cats into the house. I Lawrence does not want me to get more cats. He absolutely does not want me to get more cats. And my mother, fortunately for all of us, doesn't have any cats. But if my mother had cats and she died, I, I we would bring the cats here if we couldn't find anyone to take them in Florida and here they would remain until we found a home for them. And I understand that I am in the privileged position of being able to to find a, a home more easily than other people could because I have a much bigger social media platform. I would have put this platform at this woman's disposal. Um, 
I, 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 it's very difficult to explain, but it was, it was agonizing for me to think about the cats in this situation. It was, it really angered me that her husband, pardon my Yiddish, such a putz. I'm, I'm say, I'm using, I'm using a Yiddish word because were I to say what I think in English, I might have to change the, the rating on my podcast, but truly, what kind of a world class putz? Wouldn't let his wife bring his mother's his, her her two, dead mother's two cats into her home while she tried to find a new home for them, and I, I'm pretty sure I responded, and and it just hit me on a certain level, and I responded by saying more of what I was thinking than maybe I should have. She understood that I was angry. She did not write to me again, um, and it. Still, it is one of those things that still haunts me. And I, I've heard so many stories and seen so many things over the years that that haunt me. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that do not haunt me. This is one that that is always going to stick with me and not just because I don't love how I let my emotions get the better of me. Although I did not tell her that I thought her husband was a putz. Although she's listening to this podcast, then yes, your husband is a putz. Sorry, what can I say? Not my fault you married a putz. Moving on from that, though. But here's something else that 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 haunts me, too. Um, and I visited a lot of shelters over the years since Homer's Odyssey was published. I, I literally could not count them at this point. I, I don't even know. It's been hundreds of shelters all, all over the United States and in other countries that I have visited since the book was published. There was one shelter. It was outside of Chicago. And it was a couple of years before quarantine, before the, the pandemic. And I was visiting, I was speaking at their fundraiser, and I made a visit to the shelter itself uh, two days before the the fundraiser. And it was a, it's a cage-free shelter, and it's one of those things where you walk in and, and many cats sort of come up to greet you. And so I first I knelt down and then I sat down so I could pet the cats. And there was one cat, uh, an older cat in the sense of not being a kitten, but not an old cat. And I think they, they told me that she was about seven or eight years old, who came over and she immediately got into my lap and fell asleep. She, she was purring and then fell asleep. And then just, I ended up sitting in that one spot for the next hour because this cat did not move. And other cats came over and they wanted to get into my lap, but she was not budget. She wasn't, she was sleeping. She wasn't being aggressive in any way. And I've been to so many shelters and, and have met so many cats and so many sweet and affectionate cats. And of, of course, I never walk into a shelter without feeling about any, you know, at least half a dozen of them that I would gladly take these cats home with me that I, that I, I could love this cat. But what really struck me about this cat, and, and I was speaking with one of the volunteers at the shelter who said it best that, you know, this was a cat who was just looking for a warm lap to curl up in. Like, like that's all she wanted. You know, she just wants a, a quiet place where she can curl up in somebody's lap. And I don't know it, it why. It it moved me tremendously. It still does. I, I still frequently think about this one cat and wish that I could go back and get her. I felt it at the time. I, I At the end of the day, I, I live with two lap cats right now. I don't think Clayton and Fanny would take kindly to a newcomer, but it would definitely be tough to reconcile them to a newcomer 
who wanted a lot of who also wanted a lot of lap time. Clayton and Fanny have this sort of uneasy truce worked out where Clayton gets first dibs on my lap downstairs. Fanny gets first dibs on my lap upstairs. If one of the other cats is in the room and not in my lap, then maybe the other cat will tolerate. You know, so if I'm if I'm downstairs and Clayton is on the other side of the room and Fanny comes in and wants some lap time, Clayton may tolerate it, but generally he doesn't. Even if he's not in my lap at that moment, he will kind of chase Fanny upstairs. And the same thing happens upstairs. Fanny will chase Clayton off the bed if she's on the bed and I'm on the bed and she's not in my lap and Clayton tries to get into my lap. So they have worked this out between themselves. It is not an absolute rule. But the point is, I I would say that a good 70% of the time, I do have a cat in my lap. That that's just how it is in this house, and and so I think the only third cat who might work, the third older cat, a kitten would come in and and would sort of adjust himself or herself. I think to the older cats, but I think the only third type of third cat who would work would be a cat like Scarlet, who who wasn't looking to make friends. You know, the other thing is too the Clayton and Fanny are a bonded pair of litter mates, and they are not interested in in outsiders. Um, and so I think that a, a cat like Scarlet, who wasn't looking to make friends with anybody, who wasn't looking to make friends with other cats, who had minimal interest in cuddling or lap time with the humans, that would probably be the kind of cat who might best be tolerated by Clayton and Fanny. Certainly not this this cat who I had in my lap. Uh, but it it this cat is the reason that I – part of the reason, but a big part of the reason why I decided that when I lose – Fanny and Clayton, which I do not anticipate doing for many years. Again, they are only 11 years old. So I don't think they're going anyplace anytime soon, although it's always it's always sooner than we would like it to be. But the next cat that I adopt is, is going to be an older cat. And again, my older, that maybe that cat is going to be five, maybe that cat is going to be 12, but will be a cat who is not a kitten and, and who who is just looking for a warm lap to curl up in. I I, I don't know why. It, it It's still, I still get choked up when I think about it because it, it just seems like such a basic and simple thing for anybody to want, you know, just somebody to hold them. And certainly cats are entitled to that too. Now I really am choking myself up, but I think it's such a beautiful thing. It could be such a beautiful thing to give that, something that simple to a cat. And how often do we have it in our power to do something so simple that could make a life so much better? And so the point being that I was trying to make as I was talking to my friend was that I do not think that being older and saying to yourself realistically, there's a very realistic possibility, if not probability, that this that a young – that adopting a kitten – if I adopt a kitten now, the kitten will outlive me. Um, I don't think that it's a consolation prize or settling to adopt an older cat. Nor do I think it's 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 a beautiful thing to do because it's so nice of you to take in this this wretched kind of second tier cat that nobody else would want. I I think it can be such an amazing thing for both parties. And again, it is while there's no such thing as a bad rescue, it is not necessarily a kindness to bring a cat 
you know, to bring cats into a situation where the, where there's a probability that at some point in midlife, their whole lives will be disrupted. Because even if you know somebody who's guaranteed you that they will take your cats and you know that they will, it's still a really major disruption in, in the lives of your cats. And again, anything could happen to anybody. I really just speaking to to probabilities. And I, I don't want it to be said, my point is not that if you are in your mid to late 60s, you are a terrible person if you adopt a kitten or consider adopting a kitten. And again, there there's no such thing as a bad rescue. And there are any number of factors to take into consideration when you are deciding to bring a cat into your home. There, there are so many factors. If if you are going to make a serious commitment, then it requires serious thought and serious consideration. And not everybody's situation or circumstances are the same as, as other people's. But I do think that it's something worth considering, especially for somebody who's not only, again, in her late 60s, but who also already has health and mobility issues, which are probably not going to be any better in 10 years than they are now. And if you're thinking of declawing a cat, a kitten, because you don't want to have somebody coming into your home once every couple of weeks to trim their claws, what's going to be in 15 years when you are in your late 70s or early 80s and your mobility issues have progressed and you now have senior cats who do require some degree of they need to take pills, they need shots, even if it's not really kind of intensive care, there there is still a, a certain amount of, of physical, what's the word I'm looking for? There's certain a, a certain amount of physicality that is involved with with caring for any living creature who is older and has elder, you know, sort of elder health issues and needs some kind of ongoing medical intervention, even if it's just giving the cat a pill or giving the cat a shot or other things that you and I both know cats don't like and are going to fight you on every step of the way. And, you know, I I, I want to be I, I don't want to sound like I think I'm heroic for everything that I did for Vashti. I definitely don't. And I hear from people all the time who have done as much as if not more. So that is not my point. When I say, though, that on the other hand, not that I am a gym rat in fantastic shape, but there is a real physicality to caring for Vashti in her older years. And the same thing with Scarlett and even the same thing with Homer, who would not allow me to give him who really I, I did nothing medical for, but even just helping him on and off furniture caring. And he was a light cat. But there was still a certain amount of, of physical involvement. There, there was more physical involvement on my part in his day-to-day than there had been 10 years earlier when he was a spry, youthful cat of only five or six. So again, these are things to take into consideration. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. You know, I at the end of the day, I I was asked for my opinion. I would not have offered it if I hadn't been asked. But I also, when I'm asked for my opinion, I will try to phrase things diplomatically and and try not to hurt other people's feelings. But especially on a subject like this, I I will offer my honest opinion. And my honest opinion was, I think you should adopt an older cat. And when I say older, again, I don't mean 10 or 12, if, if that is upsetting to you. I mean five or six, but you should adopt an older cat. And get his or her claws trimmed, but find some nice, quiet cat who's just looking for a nice, quiet house 
And that is probably your best bet. The other thing, and this was not something I said, but this is something I think about too, is you, man, you don't know a cat's personality when they are kittens. And some cats do become mean or they're biters or they're scratchers. Uh, This cat, I think I've told everyone about on this podcast, this cat who lives on my block, uh, the indoor, my my neighbor's cat, the indoor outdoor cat who comes to my deck and and who I feed sometimes, and that that's a whole saga for <laughs> for another episode. But as I think I've said previously on the show, she and I forget, I always forget the name, but she has a type of synesthesia, which basically means that she is oversensitive to touch. So she's very friendly and she really wants you to pet her. But after you've been petting her for two seconds, it's it's too much for her and she will scratch and bite and hiss. And sometimes she breaks the skin. She doesn't always. But the point being that this is not necessarily something you are going to know about a six-week-old kitten or even a 12-week-old kitten that you adopt from a shelter. And yet it is probably not a good idea to have a scratchy, bitey adult cat living with a senior citizen, again, who has health issues, who ha- who is immunocompromised. Cats have very infectious mouths. I'm sure that everybody listening to this at some point has found themselves in the emergency room getting a tetanus shot and, and antibiotics to treat a, a swollen hand from a cat bite that has certainly happened to me a couple of times. And again, my point, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer and, and, and dwell on the negative sides of adopting a kitten. What I am trying to do, though, is, again, to say that there are real advantages to adopting an older cat, especially when you yourself are an older person. And I, I am not someone who works in a shelter, I am I am certainly not somebody who specializes in pairing cats with people or cats with families. And yet I really believe that if I were working in that capacity, I would always advise somebody who came in who was themselves a senior citizen, I would always first try to match them with at, at least a grown cat who was not a kitten for any number of reasons, but also largely because it, I, I think at a certain point in in one's life and one's health cycle, let's say, it is always better to be dealing with a known quantity to the greatest extent that that is possible. And you never, you, you don't really know what a kitten's personality is going to be like until they become a cat. So this is actually turned into a much longer story than I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to save the reader question for another episode. But I, I'm curious, and I'm not so much curious to hear what you guys think of, of my tact or lack thereof. And I and I did not say talk to my friend at, at as much length as I'm talking to you now. She she was not happy with me. And and I you know it's one of those things where somebody asks for your opinion, but what they really want is for you to tell them that you agree with what they are doing. And I'm as guilty of doing that as as anybody else, just for the sake of not making somebody feel bad or not starting an argument. This is just a, a subject on which I I feel like I I to the to the extent that it's possible, I would love for somebody else to benefit from my experience, both my direct experience and also just the wealth of information that I have collected in the form of of letters and conversations with other cat guardians and and people who work in rescue over the years, the the benefit of my accumulated wisdom. Although, as my grandmother, may she rest in peace, used to say, 
you cannot put your head on somebody else's shoulders, uh, which is was her way of saying that no matter how clearly or strongly you see an issue, you can never make somebody else who doesn't agree with you see it through your eyes. And I suppose that's where I am with my friend, although I hope I've given her something to think about. Again, I feel like it's a premature conversation because her cat's are only 11. Her one cat's recently diagnosed thyroid issues, notwithstanding. But I am curious to know, particularly on the issue, because we all love kittens. And and so I I can see anybody being riled, any cat, lifelong cat lover, being riled at the suggestion that you have now aged out of adopting kittens. Um, It's something that I anticipate saying to myself at some point. Uh, but I can understand that somebody might not like having it said to them. But I'm curious to see what you guys think, not so much about whether or not I should say this to people, but what you think on this issue. If if you think that there is a point in life beyond which it might make more sense or be better advised for somebody to adopt an older cat than a kitten, or if you think that shouldn't make a difference at all. I can certainly see that argument too, and that love is love and nobody has any guarantees and who knows what anybody's life is going to bring us. So for those of you who are so inclined and who wish to do so, I would love to hear your opinion on the subject. Uh, <laughs> I promise not to get angry at you. If you promise not to get angry at me, please don't call me names or or at me with horrible things. Um, but this is, you know, this is not an issue that I have ever discussed with with people who work in rescue. And I'm also curious if this is a factor um, when if you work for a no kill shelter and you were trying to, or or any kind of uh, even if you work for an open intake shelter. But if you were trying to pair a cat with a person, if you try to steer older adopters in the direction of maybe slightly older cats, or if this is just not something that's taken into consideration and and should it be something that's taken into consideration, or am I just basically guilty of of ageism? I don't know. I, I guess part of the reason I this is sticking with me is because my conscience is not entirely acquitting me. I certainly don't want to try to advocate for for the the unknown cat in this scenario, you know, let's say kitten X, um, at the expense of being a bad friend to my friend, who is obviously the bigger priority to me than the cat that she adopts. So yeah, just curious to hear what you guys have to say about that. And and on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up today's podcast. Again, this is I, I've I've gotten a little further into this topic than I intended to. I've gone on at greater length than I originally planned to. So we will save the reader question for next week. And I hope that you will join me again then. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.